Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. Today is August 31st, 2021, and our first story. In what may be one of the most shocking developments that I can't believe I'm going to say, Biden's national security advisor said on ABC Today, the U.S. may begin cash payments directly to the Taliban if they play nice, which I can't imagine working. And it's shocking because of our next story. An American woman talking about how she's trapped in Afghanistan, was desperately trying to get out and didn't even know the U.S. was leaving on their last flight. And now she doesn't know what she'll do. And in our last story, Project Veritas exposes a high school teacher admitting to indoctrinating children into communism. This may be one of the most important stories we have. Why? Because if our next generation is weak or extremist, the foundation of this country will collapse and maybe it already is. And before we get started, leave us a good review on the podcast. Give us five stars and tell your friends about it. Now, let's get into that first story. The reason why so many people are angry about what's happening in Afghanistan, not just conservatives, is that 13 U.S. service members died. The number may be higher now, hundreds of Afghan civilians, and there are many more still at risk, including American citizens. This isn't about culture war issues, but some people may try to make it as such. Some people just want to carry water for Joe Biden for the sake of being a Democrat. All right. Well, I've always criticized Democrats, so perhaps a little cliche. But this one, my friends, this story here sent a chill down my spine. And it makes you realize what's actually going on right now. Complete and total surrender and capitulation by the U.S. to the Taliban. You see, Biden's national security advisor says the U.S. could give the Taliban cash aid, even as they hold mock funerals for American, British, and NATO forces and celebrate with gunfire in the streets of Kabul after 20 years of war. You heard that. He said it. When asked, Biden's national security advisor said that in terms of delivering cash aid directly to the Taliban, well, it depends on if they uphold their uh, uh, agreement with us. Incredible. The enemy, the Biden administration is saying, the enemy will get cash from us. This is the Biden administration, in my opinion, saying that 
we can't deal with this. We can't win this. So how about we just keep paying them? And do you know why this is shocking and insane? You see, when it comes to kidnappings in the Middle East and elsewhere, the U.S. is known not to pay because it incentivizes more. Some countries will pay out whatever ransom is demanded of their citizens, not the U.S. The U.S. was famous for sending in the State Department for sending in some helicopters, some dudes jumping out, kicking your door in and saying, you made a big mistake, buddy, kidnapping an American. What the Biden administration is signaling right here, even the possibility of giving the Taliban money in exchange for some kind of compliance is that everything they've done from storm violating the treaty, beating people in the streets, taking the lives of of people in Afghanistan will be rewarded because this desperate, pathetic and failure of an administration is willing to pay out in an effort to just keep things somewhat under control. And the Taliban will now know we got them by the balls. We can keep doing it. They'll keep paying. That's 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 what we're getting now. I, I have these stories about the Gold Star families, the mother of one of these people who lost their lives. These, these one of this brave one of these brave servicemen and women. And she says, you know, to Biden in no uncertain terms, how dare you? Instagram suspends and deletes her account. These families have watched the failure of the administration rip their family apart, take their children from them. And what do we hear on TV? The Biden administration says, well, you know, maybe we just need to give the Taliban more money because that'll solve the problems. You know, there's a lot to go through here. I don't think this will solve anything. As I said, Paying them after everything we've seen so far only suggests to me they'll keep doing it because if the U.S. is going to pay the ransom, why stop? So let's take a look at these stories and we'll talk about what's happening with the Gold Star families, the the reaction that Joe Biden gave to them, their criticisms and the response that the U.S. has. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com, become a member, and you will get access to exclusive members-only segments from the TimCast IRL podcast, as well as an ad-free experience, and you'll be supporting our journalists. We are hiring more and more every day. It's a process, and we're working on more shows, but uh, things are expanding. The vlog is a big priority, so we're getting production up on that one. We have a couple new shows that are going to be launching very, very soon, and all of those, all of that membership content will be, be available to you when you sign up at TimCast.com. But don't forget to like this video, subscribe to this channel, share this with your friends. I am going to read. I want to show you exactly what, what they said from the Daily Mail. The Biden administration is considering sending economic aid to the Taliban even as the militants hold mock funerals for American troops and NATO allies to celebrate the end of the 20-year U.S. military intervention in Afghanistan. Coffins draped with the U.S., U.K., and French flags, as well as NATO's insignia, were paraded through the streets of cost on Tuesday by crowds waving the Taliban's flag hours after the final U.S. plane departed. I want to stress to all of you the videos of the thousands of people celebrating The people who never wanted the U.S. to be there, they exist. I'm not saying every single person in Afghanistan. I'm saying they have supporters. The taunting ceremony followed the deaths of 13 U.S. troops in an ISIS-K bombing last week at the Kabul airport, 
where fireworks lit up the sky and celebratory gunfire rattled as the final American troops left on Monday night. In Kandahar, a traditional Taliban stronghold, thousands also turned out waving white Taliban flags to celebrate what the group is referring to as its Independence Day, hours after the final American troops boarded an evacuation flight out of the country. Speaking from the runway at Kabul airport this morning and surrounded by Taliban special forces units dressed head to toe in American gear, spokesman Zabu Hala Mujahid hailed the Islamist group's victory over Western forces. Quote, it is an historical day, an historical moment. We liberated our country from a great power. He added, saying the last 20 years should serve as a big lesson to other invaders and a lesson to the world. Well, you'd think there'd be a lesson in all the other failures of the invasions of Afghanistan. The Soviets didn't fare too well, but America thought they could do it. He also said that other forms of cash aid, including economic and development. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I skipped over paragraph. Meanwhile, U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan told ABC's Good Morning America that the U.S. intends to continue sending health, food, and other forms of humanitarian aid to the Afghan people. He said, other forms of cash aid, including economic and development assistance, would depend on whether the Taliban follow through on their commitments, including to allow safe passage for Americans still in Afghanistan. It's going to be up to them, and we will wait and see by their actions how we end up responding in terms of the economic and developmental assistance. Sullivan insisted that any aid would flow through international institutions and not directly to the Taliban. However, the militant group is now in full control of the country's government and banking system. And I will stress, too, that was in reference to aid. When asked by George Stephanopoulos, will you give aid to the Taliban? He says it depends on what they do, which means yes. Now, there's some nuance, I suppose. If there is an economic incentive which can prevent bloodshed and save the lives of Americans, okay, that needs to be articulated. But why are we to believe they will follow through on this? I I just think it's insane that you would have these people say, yeah, yeah, just give us the money. Don't worry, people will be okay. And we already have gotten reports that Americans were turned away when they were supposed to be let through. The Biden administration seems to think that providing a list of names of U.S. citizens and, and, and American green card holders to the Taliban and our allies was effective in getting them out. What makes this administration think that doing any of these things will get the Taliban to play ball? In fact, many said all they all they did was provide a kill list to the Taliban. My friends, it is no exaggeration. The Biden administration is considering they may send economic aid to the Taliban. Think about this. After everything we've been through, after 20 years, after everything, they not only get billions of dollars in equipment, and I think the latest fact check said not 80, but $24 billion in equipment, but the U.S. would dare say we'll give them more money? This is this is the end, man. You know, for better or for worse, getting out of Afghanistan, as I've said a million times, good thing. I'm not a fan of the world police, America. And perhaps this is what needed to happen to the establishment to crumple and collapse under the weight of its own hubris. And now the world can see the emperor has no clothes. That if you just abuse and violate treaties and civilians, the U.S. will say, please, we'll just give you cash. That is until we get a new president and then, you know, a Trump comes in or DeSantis and they bang an iron fist on the table. But 
We'll see if this news ripples through the American people, because for now, the U.S. is not providing aid to the Taliban necessarily. I mean, technically, with everything that's happened so far, but I mean, literally taking an overt action. And it may happen unless something changes in our government. Now, should this surprise any of you? Take a look at this story from August 23rd from CNBC. This is not a lie. This is not an exaggeration. This is all over the news. U.S. consulting with Taliban on every aspect of Kabul evacuation, says Biden National Security Advisor. So you mean to tell me that y'all violated a treaty but decided to just work with them anyway? Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has a over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's arkseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. arcseedkits.com. The Biden administration broke the deadline, shattered the treaty. The Taliban says, fine, storms in, kills commandos, takes cities, takes provincial capitals, storms into Kabul. The Biden administration botches everything and then says, well, you know, let's uh, let's consult with them on every aspect of this, which includes giving them a list of names. That's a death sentence. The Afghan citizens who have helped the Americans to prevent the violence, to try and stabilize things. Those people are in serious danger. And the Biden admin was like, yo, let's just give them uh, these, these names. That'll, that'll be good. And then, hey, guys, if you want the pallets of cash, you better be nice. They're going to be like, oh, OK. <laughs> yeah, send the pallets of cash and then we'll see what happens. I don't understand how any, uh, they believe they can trust the Taliban. Even when Donald Trump brought the Taliban out and was negotiating peace, I'm not convinced you can trust them. It's a good thing, though. So I'll, I'll say this. Look, there's there's bad in Trump bringing the Taliban out because we don't trust them. There's good in Joe Biden's withdrawal. Yin yang, you know, there's there's some good inside the evil. There's some evil inside the good. It's not so easy to just say one way or another that, you know, it's not absolute. But I think the U.S., in my opinion, is making a terrible mistake because after 20 years, you think the Taliban's got a soft spot for us? You think they're going to be happy with everything so far? You think they're going to be trustworthy or you think they're going to be like, now is our chance? I feel for the families because this is the legacy they are watching unfold before them after they lose their children. From the Daily Mail, mother of Marine who, who died has her Instagram account disabled after she blamed Biden for her son's death. And claimed the president rolled his eyes and turned his back on her when she confronted him. Yeah, take a look at this. Facebook temporarily deleted the Instagram account of, of the mother of one of the Marines killed in Afghanistan after she publicly blamed President Biden for his death and the deaths of the other service members. Shana Chapel is the mother of Kareem Nikui, 20, who was killed in, at Kabul on August 26th. She has been vocal in her criticism of President Biden and says she blamed him 
for her son's death, along with the death of 12 other troops. Chapel, a Trump voter, has posted frequently about her disdain for Biden before her son's death on Monday. She posted a long Facebook post directed at Biden where she described meeting him on Sunday. She said she looked him straight in the eyes and told him she did not want to hear about his son, Beau, who died in 2015, something other families who were at the meeting said the president brought up. She also alleged Biden turned to walk away, then threw his hands up behind him as if he was saying, "Okay, whatever. When she yelled at him that her son's blood was on his hand, on, on her hands, on his hands. The White House has not addressed those allegations. Her account was suspended yesterday after thousands flooded her page with messages of of condolence following her son's death last week. The account has now been restored and Facebook claims it was an accident. But some of the posts are still unavailable on her Facebook page. It's always an accident, right? Even when it's an angry, grieving mother who is telling the president off, which we are allowed to do as Americans. Do you see the world being laid out before you? The U.S. providing aid to the enemy on a list of names, potentially giving cash. And the big tech companies taking down those who dare criticize him. What rule did she violate that this thing would even accidentally take her post down? It's truly despicable. It has led to suspicion that left-leaning Silicon Valley is censoring any conservative voice, even that of the grieving mother of an American hero. Chappell says she thinks Facebook disabled her account after she posted four days ago about her son's death where she didn't mention Biden, but which went viral and directed people to her page. As soon as I posted about what happened to my son's to my uh, happened to my son, Instagram started pulling up my posts from months ago and sending me notifications that if I kept posting stuff like that, they would disable my account. Posts from months ago, she said. In other posts, she has said, President Biden, the blood is on his, uh, on your hands. She also described meeting Biden and says she told him this isn't about you. When he started to talk about his late son, Beau, during their meeting, Miss Chapel says Biden rolled his eyes, then walked away from her putting his hands in the air as she told him that the that she had blood on his uh, that he had blood on his hands. You tried to interrupt me and give me your own sob story. I had to tell you that this isn't about you. So don't make it about you. You then said you just wanted me to know that you know how I feel. And I let you know that you don't know how I feel. You do not have the right to tell me you know how I feel. What happened to Joe Biden's son, Bo, is is a sad story. It's a tragic story. What happened to these Marines, the service members in Afghanistan was avoidable. It was a planning failure. It was not an accident. They knew what they were doing when they took the actions they did. No, the government would probably just say casualties of war, collateral damage, because they knew that there was going to be an imminent attack. They knew they needed to close down the gate but they decided to keep it open for an extended period of time to make sure some Brits could get through. These servicemen and women knew the risk they were taking. I have tremendous respect for for their sacrifice. What we're seeing here with, with social media is just a whole new level of depravity. And for Biden not to, uh, look, it's not easy. Biden's not a good guy. He's never been a good guy. He's always been a bad guy. And I think right now you have a lot of young people who are coming into this, not experiencing the Biden years. And they didn't know. Like when I talked with Vosh on Timcast IRL and I was mentioning Occupy Wall Street, protesting Biden, he says, I was a teenager. I don't remember any of that. There it is. 
That's how these 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 despots maintain power by going after young people, because young people weren't alive when the chaos happened. So when you look at the the Obama Biden years and the disaster that was their foreign policy and the death of the American citizens at the hand of Obama without charge or trial, you get these kids that weren't they didn't know anything about news. Then it comes 2020 and they're like voting for the first, second time. And they're like, I don't remember none of that. I don't know anything about it. All I know is Trump is bad. So I'm going to vote for Joe Biden. And I'm like, yo, Joe Biden is worse. And they're like, I don't know anything about it. I, I didn't grow up during then. And now it's funny to see all of these, you know, Biden regret posts where they're like, he lied to us. He's not giving us what we asked for. Look, my friends, to all of the young people, the young Democratic socialists and progressives who thought that Joe Biden was at least going to give you something, throw you a bone. <clears throat> Welcome to the fight. This is what I dealt with a long time ago. Yeah, I was idealistic and naive and said, yeah, Obama and those wars. I said, all right, I'll give Obama a shot. I'll vote for him one time. I'll vote for him. We'll see what happens. And boy, did I regret that because it was a, it was a manipulation going after idealistic young people, tricking them into thinking that this is something this is something new and special. And it wasn't. It was the same old, same old. Now, Trump was something different. Not perfect, actually far from it. But now who's going to tell these families who's going to explain to them? You voted for Joe Biden. You voted for this administration and all of the problems that come along with it. Take a look at this. Fathers of Marines killed in Kabul blast Biden. He talked more about his son than my son. We didn't want him anywhere near us, said Gold Star father Darren Hoover. Two Gold Star, fa- Gold Star fathers of U.S. Marines killed in, in, the, in the attack at Kabul blasted Joe Biden's with, uh, amid Joe Biden's Afghanistan withdrawal, lambasted the commander in chief for acting selfish in their interactions. Mark Schmitz, father of Missouri Marine Jared Schmitz, and Darren Hoover, father of Utah Marine Darren Taylor Hoover Jr., discussed their their tragic and terrible losses in an interview with Hannity on Monday. Schmitz elected to meet with Biden while Hoover told host Sean Hannity he didn't want Biden anywhere near us. Schmitz said their meeting, however, was not pleasant, adding the president reportedly spoke more about his own son, Bo Biden, than he did Jared. The younger Biden, who died in 2015 at age 46, had served in Iraq with the U.S. Army and passed away from glioblastoma, an aggressive form of brain cancer. Initially, I wasn't going to meet with him, Schmidt said, but then I felt I owed it to my son to at least have some words with him about how I felt, and it didn't go well. He talked a bit more about it. Uh, he talked a bit more about his own son than he did my son, and that didn't sit well with me. Hoover told Hannity the reasoning behind his decision not to meet with Biden was manifested at Dover Air Force Base, Delaware where the president and first lady were on hand to solemnly greet the caskets of the 13 fallen American heroes over the weekend. Biden was photographed checking his watch during the ceremony, which critics said showed a stark lack of empathy toward the grieving families. Hoover claimed the president looked down at his watch not once, but several times as the caskets were being offloaded. I saw the video. He didn't like brazenly look at his watch. He's like seeing the thing come in and he like quickly glances at his watch. Got something, got somewhere to be, got something to do. It, 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 I just, I just can't stand these people. You know, with Donald Trump, he did some dumb stuff. When that reporter got attacked up, I think it was Montana and Trump bragged, he's like, ah, that's what he got. I'm like, that's terrible. When Trump was doing his rallies and he was, you know, encouraging in the, in the beginning days, he was saying like, you know, wait, wait, you should hit him and I'll pay your defenses. He, he started walking a lot of that stuff back. That's true. That's all bad. And when Donald Trump was informed about the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, 
he went, wow, uh, you know, I, I just heard she was a tremendous woman. You know, it's, it's a great loss. He didn't sit there and say, I don't know, whatever. I don't care what time is. You're wasting my time. Joe Biden had somewhere to be. He's the one who carried out these plans. He's the one who abandoned the Air Force base. It's, it, the buck stops with him. I feel bad for these parents. I really, really do, man. It's, it's, I, I can't imagine what it must feel like to know that there's, that there's that. I always think about these things, right? You hear these stories of people who are injured or die. And it's like that one moment, that one moment that is nearly inconsequential. That, you know, but, but for the flap of a butterfly's wing, you would still be alive today. Right? The butterfly effect. When you see what happened in, 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 at the airport, the U.S. knew the attacks were coming for but one moment. It required only a few simple words, shut down the gate. And they'd still be alive today. And that those four words, it, it's, you know, I, I think about this, just those four words, that shift in the plan, I mean, to follow through with their initial plan, could save the lives of 13 individuals unique to this world, some of the bravest, most responsible individuals this country has to offer. That's what we lost through a few simple words that just needed to be said. I do not believe personally, after everything I've read and seen, that it made sense to keep those gates open. If American citizens are being told to stay away, why keep the gate open? When they were warning people to prepare for a mass, mass casualty event, why keep the gate open? And these 13 people who are gone, it, it, it's, 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 it's amazing. You know, if you've ever read uh, Watchmen or seen the movie, when Dr. Manhattan explains why, you know, one character is a miracle because of all of the, of the, of the probabilities and all of the random particles and all of the collisions, there creates this unique individual that no matter what you do, you could never recreate the combination of factors and energy and atoms and everything will never recreate this person. It is unique in so many different ways. But now they're gone. Bad leadership. And Biden could not even take a day. It should be more than a day. That didn't happen just once. It happened on every single one that came out of that airplane. It happened on every single one of them. They would release the salute and he would look down at his watch on every last one. All 13, he looked down at his watch. As a father, seeing that and the disrespect and hearing from his former leaders, one of Taylor's master sergeants said that, that this was avoidable, that they left them over there, that they had them over there and let them down, and we can't have that. It can't happen ever again. Asked about why Hoover and his family declined to meet with Biden, the grieving father explained, we said absolutely not. We didn't want to deal with him. We didn't want him anywhere near us. We as a family decided that this was the way it was going to be. The host then asked Schmitz if he saw Biden checking the times at the ceremony. Yes, I did, he replied. I leaned into my son's mother's ear and I said, I swear to God, if he checks his watch one more time. And that was probably only four times in. I couldn't look at him anymore after that. Wow. Considering the time and why we were there, I found it to be the most disrespectful thing I'd ever seen. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. 
Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing that Biden fits so well into what we thought him to be. It's amazing that Biden fits so well into everything they accused Trump of being. It's no wonder that so many in the armed forces did like Trump. Not everybody. I, I, I know some people who, who served who don't like him and clearly you can go on Twitter and see there are many as well. But Trump really did have a lot of support from a lot of service members. Trump, for all of his, you know, bombastic rhetoric and everything he said and did, I think he genuinely was was he, he, he genuinely wanted the, the I would say if there was one group of people Trump desperately wanted the attention and respect of was men and men and women in uniform to his own fault. When he looked at these generals and saw these medals and said, wow, I respect that. He made a mistake with people like Millie and others. He made a mistake thinking that these people had his best interest and this country's best interest. He was wrong. You can see with Millie, a bureaucrat, a politician, that these people don't actually care about the, the young men and women, the, 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 the future of this country. They don't. They care about personal power. And that is what is plaguing this country. The idea that Joe Biden would be checking his watch every single time a casket came out perfectly exemplifies the energy of the American people right now. Not every single one. No, just a large portion, around half. I look at these stories about how people just don't care what happens to this country. They don't care for protecting it. They don't care for jobs. They don't care for sound policy. They just want tribal victory. Many of the Democrats... And yes, many on the right, for sure. But I think it's, it's, mostly, it's, it's more indicative of Democrats because you tend to get a mixed bag with those who voted for Trump because many are more independent, uh, in, are, are independent voters. But the, among the Democrats, it's just at the base level. Did my tribe win? Is this what my tribe wants? Then let's take it. I'll take any victory, regardless of principle or what's said. And then the leaders are basically saying, is this going to benefit me in some way? The way I've described it, I always do. They saw the Titanic hit, hit the iceberg and they're running full speed to the kitchen, grabbing as much silverware as they can as they head for the lifeboats. Everyone else is left oblivious. They are just extracting from the system. But there are some people who are desperately trying to get things right, to try and salvage what we can and rescue people. And they exist. And I'll tell you this, some of them may be on the left. That's for sure. Some of them may be just wrong in their solutions, identifying the, the real problems. But the establishment Democrats and their neocon allies who the, 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 and then the, the only reason it's Democrats right now is because Trump basically broke into the Republican Party and sent the neocons running, though they're still mostly there and the Republicans are still mostly trash. But this is the uniparty, the establishment, the lies, the manipulation, the censorship. How dare you criticize President Biden when they censored news about Hunter? 
when they claimed it was fake news, you can't share any of this stuff. When they lie in the press, when they censor a grieving mother who says this is your fault, as, as she has the right to do. Do you see what's happening in this country? What I see is lack of social cohesion, lack of community. People don't view this country as a shared space anymore. People don't view America as something special. But I've been around the world. I've been to many of these countries. I can tell you this. America is, it is the best country on the planet. I, I firmly believe so. I mean, look, you can make, there's criticisms, there's arguments, there's some things better in other countries, some things better here. But overall, this is the best country. And that's why you see mothers in Afghanistan handing their babies to the American soldiers. As Bill Maher pointed out, when Bill Maher said something has gone wrong with the liberals, the left, where they just hate this country. I was talking on Timcast IRL with Jack Posobiec and Forrest Cooper of Recoil Magazine. And he mentioned that right now in this country, we're having a debate as to whether or not the country should even exist. He's right. 1619 Project, indoctrination in schools. Absolutely right. With that, in the culture war, the fracturing of the moral framework and the ultimate tribalism, you genuinely have people on, on one faction who hate this country, who don't care for principles or sound policy. They just want to win. That's all they want. They celebrate authoritarianism. They celebrate uh, carry water for Joe Biden, even in his worst, most awful moments. And they accuse me or you having supported Trump of doing the same thing, which is patently absurd. But the issue was the media lies. And so when they would hear stories about Trump and believe it, they'd say, how could people defend that? Well, it's simple. The media wasn't telling you the truth. And so you believed that I or anyone else would defend indefensible acts. Wrong. There certainly are a lot of Trump supporters who would, who would defend Trump no matter what. I think they're wrong. I have no problem saying that. And I have no problem trying to give Biden praise where I can. But let's just be honest. Donald Trump was anti-elected. The people who voted for Biden did so because they hated Biden, not because they, uh, I'm sorry, hated Trump, not because they liked Biden. And now we can see this is what you get. Why does Joe Biden check his watch? Because he doesn't care and he never did. He's just there. Almost an accident. As the Atlantic wrote, stay alive, Joe Biden. We only need your corporeal form. That's not an exaggeration. That's an actual article they wrote. And it exemplifies everything. They needed someone who could be just, I guess, the scapegoat for the aftermath after they wreck everything. That they could say, you know what? We want someone bad. We can blame Trump for everything. And they come out now and try and say the withdrawal was Trump's plan. Blame him. Trump ain't here. Trump didn't lead this. Trump didn't delay. Would Trump have taken action? I think he would have taken action. I think he would have launched drones. I think he would have uh, uh, fought back. These men and women died because of bad leadership. And we all know it. The least you could do is respect the families. But Biden doesn't care. He genuinely doesn't care. And I'll end with this. Actually, the least you could do is not give the enemy free stuff, free money, potential cash aid. After that, how about you tell them to return the, the equipment? You want, you want cash? Okay, well, well, we'll take all of our equipment back. Yeah. After the billions of dollars in infrastructure they've inherited, the U.S. still thinks it's right to go on TV and say, well, we might give them money, you know, if they do the right thing. Great. Well, I hope it works out for you. I genuinely do. I genuinely hope 
things get better and their plan works. I just don't see it because what it says to me is the Taliban's going to take the money and be like, let's saber rattle a little bit with all these new weapons. And then the U.S. will offer us more money to stop. Bravo to all the Biden voters. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast IRL. Thanks for hanging out. I'll see you all then. Americans have been abandoned in Afghanistan. They say the war is over officially now. After nearly 20 years, the war is over, they say, sure. Perhaps by U.S. militaristic standards, we have withdrawn our forces. But we left behind weapons, billions of dollars in weapons and critical infrastructure. The war is not over. I mean, for us, it might be. But for the American citizens trapped behind enemy lines, it's not. For the Afghan allies, it's not. For Iran, it's not. And they sit just next to Afghanistan. Certainly when the infrastructure of Afghanistan begins to crumble because the Taliban won't be able to maintain it, Iran can come in and offer some assistance, perhaps in exchange for some of the advanced weaponry the U.S. has provided to them. Joe Biden made a promise that come August 31st, the deadline, if there were Americans still in the country, they would be evacuated. And that's not true. Of all people, Chris Cuomo did an interview with a woman who said that she is an American trapped in Afghanistan who followed the instructions from the State Department and wasn't able to get out. This is a tremendous failure on the part of the Biden administration, and there's, and there's, there's really no words. But I can point out one of the things that keeps us trapped perpetually in this psychotic world, because people can't just accept reality. Let me, let me, look, I like Kyle Kalinske. I think he's a good dude. But this is, this, here's the problem I have. I have this story from Newsweek that I, that I want to go through. American woman trapped in Afghanistan, stunned after last U.S. plane leaves. Am I safe? She said she didn't know. She said she didn't know it was the last plane, that she had tried getting to the, to the airport. And you know why she couldn't get in? Because of the Taliban. There were checkpoints. There was conflict. There was crisis. And if the U.S. had just kept Bagram Air Force Base, this would not be a problem. No, she's trapped there because Biden failed. Ending the war is good. But what they are doing right now must be called out. It's almost like Biden botched this on purpose as punishment. That's what some people have said. There's a lot of speculation going around. Perhaps the Biden administration botched it on purpose to warrant a reinvasion. I don't think that's going to happen at this point. I entertained the possibility before, but now I think, you know, we're, we're out. We'll see. We'll see what happens with Iran using U.S. weapons. We'll see what happens with American citizens. But some have suggested that perhaps it's just punishment. Oh, you want to end war? This is what you'll get. Americans left behind, service dogs left behind, $80 billion in military equipment handed over to, to enemies of the United States. You know, we went into Afghanistan because of Osama bin Laden. And the Taliban was like, we're not going to hand him over without proof. And we won't give them to you. We'll give them to a third country. And Bush was like, nah, hand them over now. There's a lot of complicated philosophy and ethics in the, in the idea that Bush could just be like, we don't need evidence. We know he's guilty and then invade a foreign country. But I understand people were rightly pissed about 9-11. It's serious. But I don't think that ever justified going into war in this country, let alone. Look, I get going after Osama bin Laden, but nation building. I'm going to show you what really made me mad this morning. And then we'll get, in, we'll get into all this stuff. We have a tweet from Ben Shapiro. The Daily Wire. Last U.S. military rescue plane leaves Afghanistan. American citizens left behind. Ben Shapiro says vanity, stupidity, cruelty, cowardice, betrayal. 
that's it. I, I don't know if Ben is, is for or against the withdrawal from Afghanistan. I'm assuming he's, he's in favor of withdrawing to a certain degree. A lot of the conservatives that I've heard have said things like we could maintain a small presence in drones, which is not a complete withdrawal, but at least it's a compromise and then it stops the Taliban from taking over, which I can accept that compromise. We shouldn't have been in there in the first place, but getting almost everybody out and leaving some logistics, maybe some contractors. Nope, can't do that either. And to be fair, a lot of that is on Donald Trump. Donald Trump said we're getting out and we're going to leave all of this. You know, we're going to end these things. Joe Biden didn't follow that timeline. He was too busy revoking Trump's executive order on critical race theory in the early days of his presidency. But I'm not going to pretend like it's just easy to say it's all Biden's fault. What's happening right now in the immediate is the abandoning of Bagram Air Force Base, the American citizens being left behind. I don't think there's anything to do with your hands being tied. And I think it's fair to say that this would have gotten bad to any degree, to, to a certain degree, even under Trump. And yes, this is partly Trump's plan. What I mean to say is it is good that we are getting out of Afghanistan. We would have likely seen conflict or crisis, but you cannot justify the Americans who are abandoned and the way in which they, they pulled the forces out. And so I see this tweet from Kyle Kalinsky. I like Kyle. He's a good dude. He's a, he's a nice guy. I think he's a good faith guy. He responded to Ben's tweet saying, LOL, Ben has never been more outraged than when, than when a war is ending. We don't need this right now. This is, this is what annoys me. And then everyone's laughing and mocking Ben. Are you, are, what? We should all be angry that Americans are trapped. And you know what really, really annoys me? Is there are people who said, uh, you know, there's a lot of people responding. Here's one. Someone correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't American citizens in Afghanistan have like eight months of lead time to get out? That justifies American citizens who are trying to save Afghan families being trapped and left behind. That justifies it completely. No, it doesn't. Now, look, it is a nuanced issue. And there's a good point to be made within that, but I don't think it's completely fair. There were warnings given months and months in advance. I mean, if you we had Trump planned this over a year ago, 14 months or so, you had to be, be withdrawn by May 1st. The people who were there knew they had to get out. But it was, I believe Matt Zeller was his name, who appeared on MSNBC and said that they had been warning the administration nonstop for years, or I should say they've been warning, you know, Biden as well as the previous administrations, that if they were going to get out of Afghanistan, they had to start planning these evacuations. Now, you can blame Trump for setting that, you know, knocking down the first domino. Trump's not the president right now. So when it came to the actual evacuation and withdrawal, what did Biden do? I mean, come on. He lets the Taliban just sweep in in violation of the treaty. They were not supposed to take provincial capitals. They were not supposed to storm in, into Kabul and start killing people. And as much as I don't want there to be a forever war, at a certain point, you say, OK, this is bad. Drone strike or something, because I'll tell you this. War I get, okay? I'm not a fan. I don't think we should, think we should, we, we should have been there in the first place. But I also think that we have an obligation to a treaty that we, we must uphold. And we can still withdraw so long as we are going to say we will not allow Taliban militants to storm these cities and overrun the Afghan security forces. Like the videos we saw where commandos were gunned down after surrendering because they ran out of ammo. It's horrifying stuff. But Biden screwed this up beyond all recognition. Mark Milley and many others screwed it all up. There's a there's 90, okay, 87, I believe, retired flag, was it flag uh, generals or whatever, uh, flag officers, sorry, generals and admirals 
who have demanded the resignation of Mark Milley. And they've said that if either you should have uh, told them not to do this, like abandoning Bagram and things like that, or you should have resigned in protest when you knew they were. Either way, get out. And yet there are many people who just want to suckle the teat of the Democratic Party, even watching all of this happen. It's frustrating, isn't it? Let me tell you the story of the woman trapped in Afghanistan. And she gave an interview to Chris Cuomo, a, a, a person I do not like. And I will stress before we read this, take into consideration CNN's allegiances. Is CNN the uh, uh, Dem- pro-Democrat news network? No. I know I can immediately hear a bunch of people screaming, what? No, they're pro-war, pro-war, pro-establishment. And that takes any, many forms. And right now, Joe Biden could have, you know, stayed in Afghanistan. I'm glad he didn't. I'll give him credit for, for, for actually withdrawing, even if it's botched, it's bad. And I will criticize him heavily for screwing everything up and abandoning Americans. But I think, you know, it is ultimate, the ultimate good in this circumstance that we are getting out of Afghanistan. And people have asked me, like, what about abandoning South Korea? And I'm like, you know what, man, they're good points. It, it is absolutely a good question about the Soviet Union, the expansion, Vietnam, you know, how long we, we were in there for 19, 19 years and three months, I think. That's, that's crazy. I didn't, I didn't realize that. And, uh, uh, you know, we're still in Germany. We're still in South Korea. And, it, and it's, it's difficult. It is. I can't pretend to have all the answers. But I don't see Afghanistan as being the same as countries being invaded by communists. I mean, you, sure, it's, it, it, the, the Taliban takes over. And then we decide we're going to go in because of Osama bin Laden and then what, colonize it? Yeah, I can't support that. When, when communism started sweeping through Southeast Asia and war breaks out between anti-communists, you know, communists and, and, and anti-communists, you know, free, freedom-loving people and despotic authoritarians who have killed 100 plus million people, you know, I'm like, that I understand. Like the communists were literally genociding people, you know, the Holodomor, for instance, in Afghanistan, I, I, what we wanted Osama bin Laden. You know, we ended up getting him in 2011. We decided to stay. Here's the story of an American citizen and what it really means that Biden has failed. Newsweek reports, an American woman who remains trapped in Afghanistan has told of her fears after the last U.S. plane left the country. The woman, a former interpreter for the U.S. military, spoke to CNN's Chris Cuomo from Kabul on Monday night. Identified only as Sarah, not her real name, she told of her failed attempts to flee the country. Now that the last U.S. troops have withdrawn, she said she's lost hope she'll be able to leave. I just found out that they left, and I was just silent for a little while. And I just went, I just went, walked around the rooms, and I saw the young kids are sleeping, and they have no clue what happened this morning. That the last flight is gone, and we are left behind. It's heartbreaking to see that, with all that's going on, no one hurt us. That we are in danger, and we need to be safe. I just don't even know what to say to you. Whoever was trying to help me and support me, even they did not tell me that this is the last flight. So I still had hope that we would leave, if not all of them, at least some kids and some mothers who had disabled kids. I had hope for them. Sarah said she and the 37 Afghans staying in her home had tried to get to Kabul's airport in recent days. We were all in the streets going from gate to gate, she said. As a last attempt, she went with six of the children and a man who she said pretended to be her husband to get through Taliban checkpoints. Outside the airport, she said, I started shouting, I'm an American, please open the gate, I'm here to go home. She said no one heard her, 
and tear gas was deployed. I was knocked out for like maybe 15 minutes, she said. Now that right there, I'm 15, being knocked out for 15 minutes is no joke. That's like brain damage. So maybe I think her time is, is off. The U.S. State Department released a statement on Sunday signed by around 100 countries, along with NATO and the EU, saying they had received assurances from the Taliban that people with travel documents would still be able to leave Afghanistan after the evacuation ends. But Sarah told Cuomo that she has little faith that travel out of the country will be allowed. I don't believe in anybody anymore. I just can't believe no one told me this was the last flight. Her biggest fear is for her safety and the safety of the people in her home. Am I safe? Now the question is, my life, am I safe? Are these people safe? She said that her past work with the U.S. military will make the people in her own more of a target. I don't even think they're safe because they're in my house. I went to so many different missions with the military, so many different missions in different provinces. I never had that heartbeat like I have have it today. This morning, when they told me the Americans left, they left us to whom? To those people who were always wanting to kill us. And now I am by myself here with 37 people. This is my fear that if Americans could not help me, when they were on the ground, how will they help me, help me now when no one is here? The White House and State Department have been contacted for comment. And what have they been saying? Well, some people just don't want to leave. Yeah, no joke. The AP says there are also roughly 280 others who have said they are Americans, but have told the State Department that they plan to remain in the country or are still undecided. According to the latest totals, about 114,000 people have been evacuated since the Taliban takeover, including approximately 2,900 on military and coalition flights during the 24 hours ending 3 a.m. on Sunday. Members of Congress criticized the chaotic and violent evacuation. Of course, it was a lie when the when the Biden administration came out and said, well, some people just want to stay there. Oh, yeah. And then I see it when Ben Shapiro tweets, when Kyle Kalinske tweets. Take a look at this one. Someone responds to Ben Shapiro. It's unclear how many uh, it's unclear how many Americans who didn't get out wanted to stay. And if true, why? Do we need to know? Should they have been hogtied? Also, I'm still asking the question why there still were any civilian Americans in Afghanistan when they had been advised to leave for months. Could it be that Matt Zeller was right in his explosive viral video yelling on MSNBC about the disgrace that we are witnessing, that he and his organization, veterans, had been demanding, begging the administration to get our allies out or they will be killed? It's tough. I'm not going to pretend all the answers. I'm not going to pretend to have all the the key uh, moral truths. There are concerns about the vetting process, but I can say with a 14 month lead time, the U.S. could have said warning now to all, you know, people who have worked with the U.S. Now is the time to start preparing to leave because we will be leaving. But the question is, how many people chose to stay, right? Well, I can at least say this. What about the story of Sarah? who went to the gates and yelled, I'm an American. In her story, she said that she was given a code word and told to hold an umbrella so they would see her and get her out of the crowd and get her evacuated because she's an American. And she said no one could hear. It was too chaotic. So it's not about people wanting to stay. And yes, there are probably many Americans who wanted to stay. I I, I absolutely can accept that. Why? They will not leave people behind. Unlike Joe Biden in that right. You see, Some of these Americans, like this woman, said that she's got a family she's taking care of, that she's protecting, and she needed to make sure that they were going to get evacuated because a good captain goes down with the ship. You make sure, you know, it's 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 the it's the idea that there's a a burning building, and somebody says, "I'm not going to leave this building until everyone is out." It's called being a hero. 
risking your life to make sure others will be saved. Now, there's some questions about refugees, and I see a lot of conservatives saying, you know, we can't take in all these people. And I think it's fair to say we can't take in all of these people because there's like a million plus. But I do think it's fair to say that those who, who helped the U.S. and worked with them absolutely should be granted refugee status and should be evacuated. I don't think we got, we clearly didn't get them all, but I do think they should be given refugee status. Uh, I'm sorry. I understand there's, there's questions and concerns about immigration. We should vet all of these people. That's for sure, because we're getting some crazy stories. But the people who helped the United States risked their lives doing so should not be left to die. In fact, I think the same is true for any refugee. You're coming from Cuba. You're coming from Mexico. Legitimate refugees. I say the U.S. bring them in. The problem with the southern border is that typically they're not refugees. That's the issue. It's like 90 plus percent are just economic migrants claim to be refugees. And that actually displaces the real refugees who are like, I'm literally going to be killed. And those are the people I'm like, you know, let's help them out. Now, of course, when it comes to remain in Mexico and the Mexico stuff, some of these people aren't coming from Mexico. They're coming from Guatemala and Honduras, where they clearly could have stayed in a different country. More to the point with Afghanistan is that we are evacuating and there are people who helped us. And I can respect absolutely this woman who says, I will leave no one behind. And she tried and did everything right. So it's not an issue for the most part of people saying, I've chosen to be here. And more importantly, when Biden's administration and the AP says they're undecided or choosing to stay, you got to ask yourself, why are they choosing to stay? Is it because they have more within their hearts than the Biden administration that they're saying, you cannot expect me to abandon this family who will be killed by the Taliban? I am going to, as an American, work to get these people out. So is it really that there's it's being framed like they're going, you know, um, I kind of like being here. I think I'll stay when in reality, it's more like I will not leave unless my friends and family are protected. And then the, Amer- the U.S. being like, OK, come to the gate and we'll get you out like the story of Sarah. And they were unable to do so because of the, the, the chaos, which brings it all the way back to the abandoning of Bagram, the, the botched withdrawal, just uh, botched is the wrong word, the catastrophic failure. And we are going to see some nasty stuff because it's not about the Taliban leadership. It's about, the, the, look, they're, they're not a, a formalized group in the sense that, you know, we would expect from any other government, like a military. There's a reason why the U.S. called them insurgents, I suppose. Now, they have leadership for sure. They've already struggled to control the lower ranks. People being beaten in the streets, and the, the, the Taliban says, "Ah, oh, no, they're not actually with us. Yeah, they are. You just don't have the control. And so things will get bad. It's difficult. I don't want to sit here and just pretend that, you know, Biden is wrong and bad, no matter what, all the time. The withdrawal, I think, ultimately is, is the right move. It's not the same as the, as the so- expansion of the Soviet Union in the Cold War. This is just a country next to Iran. And what do, we, what do I think? I think they wanted to nation build made a lot of money for a lot of people. It was colonization, not some leftist, stupid, evil colonization. No, it was the U.S. being like, we're going to nation build, which is, you know, and we're going to set up cities and governments effectively colonizing. And I think they wanted a strategic location because they were surrounding Iran. And instead, they've left billions, billions upon billions of dollars worth of advanced military equipment to the Taliban, who, in my opinion, will likely go to Iran and be like, okay, Now we need help with our power plants. We need help with all of these things, organizing, setting up critical infrastructure. Hey, you're right there. Look at all this fancy stuff we got. How about you give us a hand? We give you a hand. How does that sound? And Iran's going to be like, you got it. Absolutely. I mean, we'll see. I don't know for sure, but 
I think it's likely. The Iran doesn't like the U.S. Maybe maybe they'll get a hold of a bunch of advanced military equipment and then the U.S. will be like, oh, no, oh, geez, now we got to invade again. The war ending is a good thing. But for these, you know, uh, culture warriors like look, Kyle, man, I, I, I think you do good work. I, I genuinely mean that. Let's stop ragging on each other. All right. My criticism to you right now is that you are you are you are culture warring against Ben Shapiro because he's mad that Americans were left behind. How about we just say, yo, yo, uh, look, look, here's here's one. Jay Burka, uh, Jay Burke, sorry, re- responded to Kyle saying, hey, Kyle, genuine question. Is it possible maybe to agree it's good we got out while also admitting the way it was done was a disaster? Can those two thoughts be held at the same time? Or do we have to strictly carry water for Biden because war over? I'll hang up and listen. I agree. We're not, let's not carry water for this, this crackpot Biden. Ending the war was good. I'll give him that. I'll give it to Trump. I won't give it to Obama or Bush, but I'll give Biden and Trump. They, they, they moved to end this stuff. You got it. Now I can say Biden screwed it all up and it's really, really bad. It is. And now I can say there's no reason to be culture warring, rage baiting against Ben Shapiro at a time when the, when the populist left and the populist right can be saying this was a screw up of, of, of ultimate proportions. But you know what? If the left just wants to keep carrying water for Biden in this regard, you'll lose 2022. You'll lose 2024. Because I tell you, there are regular people looking at this being like, why were Americans left behind? And it's on CNN of all networks. The story of Sarah and how she tried to get out but couldn't get through because they screwed the whole thing up. I'll tell you this. I think most people would agree. If the U.S. held Bagram, an Air Force base, instead of this, this it could have told everybody, just come at the Bagram. We got you. It's a strategic location. It's fortified. Ain't nobody getting in. And we can easily control this and evacuate people. Instead, they went, nah, we'll abandon it. Send everyone to, the, to, to you know, Karzai. And then they couldn't get out. That's a screw up on Biden's part. So how about this? I don't want to rag on Kyle. I think Kyle does good work. Disagree with him on, some, on certain things. I think we mostly agree, to be honest. I think if you get the average populist leftist and populist right wing person, and they'll all identify the same problems, just disagree on solutions. But I'm not I'm not here to rag on Kyle or Ben over being happy that, you know, there's the oh, I, I, I'll say this too. Ben's tweet didn't explicitly say he was happy the war was over. Right. He's 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 talking about an article that says Americans were left behind. I think we should all agree that's a bad thing because that will be the excuse used by the 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 elites to justify more war. It was a disaster. Biden is awful. We knew Biden was awful. And there were people who just wanted Biden. And you know what? This is the challenge we face as human beings. We don't have a point of reference. We don't have an alternate timeline to look at where Trump is president to see how things would have gone. I personally believe they would have been better because I think the, the moment the Taliban started storming, to, you know, rushing these provincial capitals and getting into gunfights with the commandos, Trump would have been like, drone them. I don't understand why Biden let them overrun the cities. Or why he snuck out of Bagram in the middle of the night, abandoning all of our military equipment. That is just abject failure. <laughs> Unless that's what they wanted to happen. You know, it's no surprise I'm ragging on Biden. OK, uh, it's no surprise that I'm defending Trump. But I don't know if Trump would have been good. I think there, was, there still would have been problems. I think that it's unfair to say that literally everything is the fault of Biden. But I think we can look at the key errors and say Biden screwed this one up. 
I think we can look at the people Trump should have fired who did and he didn't fire them. And Trump deserves some responsibility for what happened. But ending the war was a good thing. So all of the chaos that we're seeing around it, so long as we don't allow them to manipulate us using disasters. But we're going to see some bad stuff with the Americans tra- these Americans trapped. So it's, it's not easy. It's absolutely not easy. I don't want to carry water for Trump for the sake of him being opposed to the establishment. I'm sick of the media lying about everything having to do with Trump and blaming him for what's Biden's presidency. And I don't want to carry water for Biden just for ending the war. And I don't want to be blindly criticizing Biden simply for nature of, by, by virtue of being a Democrat. But there's, there are viral videos right now. Maybe we'll talk about this one in the next segment of Joe Biden just checking his watch every time. Checking his watch. Look, the story about him checking his watch is nasty. You know, it's at the funeral, the, the service for the fallen uh, service members. But I'm, tr- I'm trying not to play into that culture war stupidity of just like, you know, oh, Biden fell asleep. You see that video? Biden fell asleep. No, he didn't. Biden did not fall asleep talking to, uh, you know, uh, having discussion on Israel. He's talking. He folds his hands. He puts his head down. His eyes appear to stay open. He's just squinty. And his hands are moving. And then he directly responds to everything that was said to him. I don't want to play these stupid culture war games. I don't want to, oh, Ben Shapiro's mad. Whatever. Ben Shapiro's mad because Americans are left behind. How can you be mad? disagree with that? Okay, I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. This is probably one of Project Veritas's most important stories. It's not about Google or other massive multinational billion-dollar corporations. It's not about politicians and the policies they put in place. This is about a high school teacher. That's it. Just a high school teacher. And I'll tell you why it's probably one of the most important stories. Because we know, or at least we've suspected to a great, with a degree, a great degree of accuracy, that teachers in these schools are trying to indoctrinate your kids into radicalized and extremist thinking. These people would see the country burn to the ground and millions dead or suffering. Now, perhaps they won't admit to it, or they'll say something like, real communism has never been tried. But in this video, a simple undercover recording shows a high school teacher in California admitting to communist indoctrination of students, admitting that when children see the Antifa flag that one child was, was offended by, it, and he says, well, then maybe you shouldn't be a fascist. He didn't say it like that. He said, maybe you shouldn't align with values this flag is antithetical to. Maybe you shouldn't be a crackpot extremist radicalizing children. You see, this teacher is telling kids uh, or, or essentially to be extreme, to engage in further and further left extremist ideology. You know, let's be honest, though. It's one teacher. Is it indicative of the entire country? Not necessarily. But this is a California teacher. And I think what we see here goes beyond just the teacher. You want to know why California is a failed state? Well, let's be fair. There's some natural disasters going on. And I think a lot of that has to do with, with failed policy to a certain degree. But you also just have failing leadership. When you have children who are being raised by these lunatics, and they are, they're being taught by them, and parents who don't care, don't be surprised when the next generation runs the state into the ground and just destroys it. California, my friends, is a failed state for a variety of reasons. And I want to talk about that. But this is why I think the story from Veritas is so important, because the children will inherit the country, the earth. We are not here forever. 
right? We all inherited something from somebody, be it the roads that we walk on, the bridges we cross, the government in place. And eventually we will find ourselves as the elders and there will be children come to inherit what we inherit, what we leave behind. And this man is one of many we've seen seeking to indoctrinate children so they will destroy everything. I got a text message from the ACLU the other day. And they said, school's starting. Listen to our podcast with Kimberly Crenshaw, the identitarian. That's right. One of the, uh, the woman who coined critical race theory, which is the racist identitarian ideology. Now, of course, the left would say it's simply an overview of where the law intersects with race. Yeah, that's 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 just not true. Read what Kimberly Crenshaw actually says about this stuff. Critical race theory was named as such so that people would understand it's rooted in Marxist thought of oppressed and oppressor. It's not about the intersection of law. That's a lie. They can say whatever they want. We know what they're doing to kids. Here's the story from Project Veritas. <clears throat> Pro-Antifa high school teacher in California admits communist indoctrination of students. I have 180 days to turn them into revolutionaries. Other teachers on the same page. There is a reason why these kids are becoming further and further left. And I want, I want to point something out. As we see this man in the, in the you know, from the Natomas Unified School District in Sacramento, I want to keep you, I want to remind you that the Sacramento Unified School District is where they are implementing white racial affinity groups. That's right. I want to point out that it's more than just this one teacher. He says it's many other teachers. And I want to point out it's the parents who don't care about their kids. I'm sorry. I'm not I'm not here. To, I'm not here to placate anybody. I'm not here to pander to anybody. Nope. I say it last night in the Timcast IRL uh, member segment. I, I, I've said it a million times. The people responsible for the fasci fascistic mandates in New York City are the mom and pop shops, the regular working class people who stand behind these scumbags and say, I'll uphold this. And right now, I'll tell you who I'm mad at. The parents who are not talking to their children, who are not raising their children, who are saying, go to school. And too much, too often, I hear it, where the kid comes back and says, but my teacher's crazy. My teacher hates me. And they're like, that's not true. You're just not doing your work. No, it is true. Often, there are some good teachers out there. But this is an example of what your children are being put through. And you need to pay attention. Stop thinking that an institutionalized learning facility will give your kids good values. Veritas reports. Project Veritas released shocking new video today of a California AP government teacher, Gabriel uh, Geip, boasting about politically indoctrinating his students. Geip said that his intention is to radicalize students into supporting Marxist ideas by using the public school system as an avenue to incentivize them to participate in fringe extracurricular activities. I have 180 days to turn them into revolutionaries, scare the F out of them. I post a calendar every week. I've had students show up for protests, community events, tabling, food distribution, all sorts of things. When they go, they take pictures, write up a reflection. That's their extra credit. These kids' grades are dependent upon engaging in psychotic, cultist behavior with this teacher. And how many parents don't care about their kids? Sorry, no, they don't care about their kids. But I have a job. You know, I, I, I have to. I, what's more important? I, don't, I, I, I just, you know what? You know what I was talking about the other day on the, on the, on, on the uh, IRL podcast watching Fast and Furious? That's right. 
the, 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 the Fast and Furious Cinematic Universe. And boy, did, was there a profound statement in the, in the fourth installment called Fast and Furious. In it, the bad guy named Reyes in Rio is talking to some guys and he says, you know, I don't want to work with you because your methods are too violent. And when you engage in violence, you back people into corners and they have nothing left to lose and they fight back. He says, that's not what we do. We give them something to lose. We bring in the goods, the air conditioning and the water and the food. Then they've got something to lose and then we own them. And that's what we're facing. Parents who would say, I don't know what else to do. I have to go to work to support my family. You know, what's more important? I think back to those who had less to lose back before all of these creature comforts and wonderful technology and television and air conditioning. People who lived out in the middle of nowhere and built log cabins and said, I'm going to do right by my children. Today, you have people saying, I would do right by my children if I could. But, you know, I work at a corporate office and I don't have time to be there for my kids. Someone's got to pay for the food and you could move somewhere take a lower salary, and it might suck, and I get it, but you are not on the verge of death. You are in one of the wealthiest countries on the planet. You would leave your children to men like this? I'm sorry. I get the hardship, you know? But if you're going to leave your children to this man, do you really care about them? You can say you're doing everything in the world. I get it. But I look at it this way. If I had to go to work, and they said someone I cared about, I know I don't have kids. I get it. But they said someone I cared about was, was about to be trapped in a burning building. I would leave my job. And if they, and, and, and if, and if they said, you know, someone you care about, because let's be, let's be honest, that's a, your, your boss would probably be like, no, I get it. Go home. If they said this psychopath is going to be the one watching your children, unless you leave, I'd, I'd rather just leave. And I, 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 you know what I'd say? Maybe this is why you need two parents. Someone can look after the kids and make sure these lunatics aren't manipulating your children. It's th their grades are dependent upon being extremists. Would you would you really leave someone in the care of this lunatic or would you do whatever you had to do to protect your kids? That's why I'm sorry. I think some people it, it's action. Actions speak louder than words. I'll put it this way. I, I often would tell the story about how people would email me saying, I really want to do what you do. Back when I was working at Vice Infusion, traveling the world, covering these stories, being on the ground, facing real danger, but getting the story out. And when I told them what you needed to do, you know, actually travel to these countries, the risks, they immediately said, oh, I don't want to do that. Oh, I just wanted to be on TV. Yeah, actions speak louder than words. They can say whatever they want. I don't care. You can come to me and say, I do care about my family, but I have to have a job. And I'll say, that's fine. I don't care. Because if you really cared about your children, you'd find another way. Maybe people just don't understand. I don't know. But it's really about priorities. Your suffering and hardship or the betterment of your children. I'll, I'll, I'll put it another way. When I worked at O'Hare at American Eagle Airlines, there were several men who worked. They worked uh, 16 hour days every single day. Until it's like once every two weeks, you're forced to take a day off by law. And so there was one guy who worked, he worked, what, 13 days on one day off. I think that's what it was or something like that. It was ridiculous. And the way he did it was you could trade days. The union negotiated the system where I could log in and then just trade a shift. It was actually pretty cool. So there were a lot of these guys. 
They would just work nonstop. You, you, they were always there. And I remember there was one guy who was forced to take a vacation and he got really angry. He was like, you can't make me take vacation. Like, yes, we can. We legally have to. And he was pissed. You know why he worked every single day, 16 hours? Because he was a Filipino immigrant and he had kids. And he says, my kids will have a better life than me. And that means I will come here and I will work 16 hours every single day to get them what they need. Now I get it. He was leaving his children in the hands of these teachers and everything like and, and things like that, which is the point I'm trying to make is this guy was willing to do whatever it took, no matter how hard it was to make sure his kids had a better future. But I, I, I firmly believe if they understood what this is, he would have immediately said, I would rather spend time with my kids because this is not a better future for them. Here's what, here's what he writes. Here's, here's what he said. They take an ideolo- ideology quiz. I put the results on the classroom wall. Every year they get further and further left. I'm like, these ideologies are considered extreme, right? Extreme times breed extreme ideologies, right? There's a reason why Generation Z, these kids, are becoming further and further left. I have an Antifa flag on my classroom wall. And a student complained about that. He said it made him feel uncomfortable. Well, this Antifa flag is meant to make fascists feel uncomfortable. So if you feel uncomfortable, I don't really know what to tell you. Maybe you shouldn't be aligning with the values that this flag is antithetical to. It's antithetical to freedom. That's what it's antithetical to. He actually says hyper individualism is bad. What can we do now to root out this culture that keeps perpetuating hyper individualism, hyper competitiveness, capitalist exploitation and consolidation of wealth? I do think that it's important to understand that as an extension of an economic revolution, the Chinese Communist Party were changing the base. And then they went to change the superstructure. You cannot change one without the other. You can't have cultural shifts without economic shifts. He is advocating, defending, placating genocide that occurred in the Cultural Revolution and the struggle sessions and the tens of millions dead in China. So I'm sorry. I don't care if you're mad at me saying, Tim, you don't understand. You don't have kids. I understand I don't have kids and I can understand it can be hard. But I also know I would never leave my kids with someone like this. So what happens? California is a failed state. And this is exactly why. This is exactly why. Now, look, let's be real. How many of you who have kids are liberals who support this stuff? Probably not a lot of you, because even if you are finding yourself as a traditional liberal, you're like, this stuff's gone too far. So you're not sitting there agreeing with all this stuff for the most part. I mean, some of you might be. I don't know why you watch this channel, because I'm ragging on this stuff all the time. But I think most people who watch this get it. And I'm not talking about conservatives who have kids who are keeping their kids away from this stuff and teaching their kids properly. And I'm talking about classical liberals, libertarians, ANCAPs, and everybody else. I'm talking about the California Democrat voter that doesn't care their kids are sitting and rotting in this stuff, even if they're unhappy. When these kids grow up, here's what you get. Let me show you a bit about what's happened in California. I'm not going to blame the natural disasters necessarily on policy, right? California's got this, this uh, massive wildfire and, and, and evacuation. It's potentially going to be leading to rolling blackouts. You've also got the drought. And I saw this video earlier. Let's talk about California. Your children are everything. Children are the future. It's not, it's not, some, it's not some cliche. It's not some joke. It's, the, it's tr- truth. Kids grow up. You die. They're the ones who remain. They have kids, etc. And every year they're further and further left. Here's a video. Amber Joe Cooper. Imagine having to choose between taking a shower or doing your laundry. 
Californians don't, Californians don't have too much longer. It's happening. Thanks, Gavin Newsom. Vote yes to recall Gavin. Well, let me just say, yes, you should vote to recall Gavin. But this video is actually very fascinating because in the video, it's uh, know. this woman talking about how there's going to be a restriction on how much water you can use by 2025. You will be able to use 52.5 gallons, gallons of water a day. This is the perfect example of why California is a failed state, why I'm not here to pull any punches and I'm not going to defend anyone in California. Amber Joe Cooper saying vote yes on Gavin. Well, that's great. But does she explain to people why they're going to be restricting water? It's because California is a large mess. It is tens of millions of narcissists and egotists who don't recognize your state is collapsing completely and no recall necessarily will save this. Or maybe it will, to be honest. But the idea that you're going to come out and be like, we should be allowed to have unrestricted use of water in California. Sorry, your state will collapse. It's in a drought. Water levels are lower than ever. And I'm not going to blame Gavin Newsom because it stopped raining. That's stupid. But I will say this. When the argument is either we shut the water off or, uh, you know, we restrict the water or we recall the governor so that we can have unrestricted, unrestricted water, I'm like, y'all in that state have lost the plot. There's a drought. California is heavily dependent upon Colorado water. So I said, I tweeted a while back, we literally flush fresh water down the toilet. The video doesn't explain why they are restricting water. California is a failed state and is currently unsustainable. There's too many people. There's not enough water. Los Angeles, Southern California is a desert, basically. But they bring in water from the Colorado River, and that helps sustain them because they have a treaty. If they didn't have a treaty, there'd be nothing there. Yet people keep moving there in, in a massive, massive metropolitan block. You ever been to L.A.? Man, you got it is one big urban. It's, it's a massive. There's no suburbs. There's no trees. It's just buildings for like 100 miles or something. No joke. It's massive. L.A. itself is just this tiny little city, but L.A. County is massive. It's huge. How are they going to sustain that? So they said, OK, we don't have enough water and these droughts are destroying us. We're going to have to tell the people in the cities it's a drought. Stop taking showers. What do we get? People are upset about it. So that's what you get with the average Californian. I think there's too many people, even even the blue, the, the blue city Republicans who still are fairly liberal, don't understand. California is a failed state. Up north, things are a lot better. But it's really interesting when I hear from people and they're saying things like, oh, why don't we just take water from the Delta? And it's like, because that would cause the ocean water to flood in because you would reduce pressure from the Delta, which pushes the brackish water out. And then it would just destroy the bay. So you, you, you can't do much. Ultimately, what needs to happen is people need to get out of cities, get away from these places. But here's the issue with California. Even the people in California who claim to be fighting back against Gavin Newsom still don't understand the problems and what's happening. And it's probably because even when you get some kind of resistance, it's people who are indoctrinated by these crackpots in these schools. So they grow up with warped perspectives that, I'm sorry, make no sense. I think Gavin Newsom should be recalled. I don't think that the restricting of water is necessarily the, 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 the wrong move. But I think there's a lot of other solutions that could have happened first. And I ultimately think people need to recognize overpopulation is an issue, but not necessarily in the way you think. 
What's the issue with overpopulation? How about in hyper concentrated areas like LA, New York, and Chicago, you have too many people all taking dumps in the same spot, all drinking water from the same spot. So the Great Lakes start receding, going down lower and lower because they're not being replenished. So you got to have some agreement. The Great Lakes Coalition says, yo, we got to stop using this water, but there's too many people. People need, you got so much space in other, other places. You got Wyoming. You got Montana, you got West Virginia, you got Colorado. Who wants to live in Colorado? People could spread out and take responsibility for themselves. But now I want to throw it back to what Veritas is reporting on. This guy, hyper competitive, hyper individualism. The world this man wants is where all of the people are regimented in a tight space and are destroying and extracting everything like a machine, like the Borg in Star Trek. You know what the better way of living is? Decentralized, small spread out towns that have their own water reclamation plants, creating better stability with, the, with humans and the environment around them because there's less strain on any one area, less conflict, less chaos, less violence, less density, more individualism, more personal responsibility. Instead, you know, so, so I'll, look at, I'll, I'll say this, that is the libertarian, that, that is my libertarian dream, be it left or right. In a left libertarian little dream, you can have your little town of a couple hundred people, and then your neighbors can do whatever they want, and you'll have some kind of agreements between, between the two. This guy, he wants centralized state power. He wants your kids to be zealots, to march forward guaranteeing these, 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 this extremism, which will ultimately lead to the death of millions. Now, I don't know what's going to happen in California with their uh, recall election. Currently, 538 says that the, the uh, keep Newsom is at 50.6% and remove is at 46.3. But who knows? I have no idea. So I'll tell you this. Voting yes to recall Newsom is the right idea. But I think California is a failed state no matter what you do, to be honest. Now, Larry Elder may come in. There is this other guy. They're saying meet Kevin, who's polling really, really well. He might come in. And they might make some serious changes. I think Larry Elder is probably the best bet. We'll see how that rolls out. In the end, I don't know if California can be saved. Too many people, too many people, people need to spread out. I covered a lot, a lot of what's going on in California, but let me just stress this for the rest of the country. If you let this man and people like him teach your, your children and you don't pay attention your kids will become psychopaths who hate your guts. Like that viral story where the guy says, my daughter went to college and when she came back, she had purple hair and she said she hated me. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then.